Is CrimeThink a movement? Dear CrimeThink folks, so you've got all these great ideas here, but why are you wasting them on the deaf ears of punk rockers and other latecomers to dead radicalisms? Shouldn't you be trying to form a new movement of your own, CrimeThinkism, just like the communists and the nudists did? No. A movement is based on an ideological construct, not a convergence of unique desires, but a standard for what those desires should be, or at best, a set model of how to integrate different desires. As such, movement as a concept has the same relationship to the life we seek as the image does to lived experience. It is an inorganic representation of an organic thing. You can't trap the joys of feeling free and generous and alive in any social construct, be it the adventurous international or the Maoist Boy Scouts, any more than you can render passion permanent in a love relationship by getting married. The adventures and sensations we seek are wild animals, and they won't hold still in the social conventions of any moment, not even for us. This is not to say that forming free associations in pursuit of our goals is always self-defeating. Quite the contrary. But we must be wary, lest our groups become movements. Just as images divert attention from the necessarily invisible things that are truly valuable, for example, the boy who sees a powerful performance by, a, by an anarchist theater troupe and associates the feeling of liberation they invoked at him with their extravagant clothing, so do movements trap us in the trappings, any trappings, whether theoretical, ideological, or practical, organizational structure, tradition, etc., of our real quest, which is for life itself. It shouldn't be hard for the resourceful leader to come up with examples of movements that have begun by channeling vital forces and, end as, and ended as pathetic parodies of them. For politics, the Communist Party. For the arts, surrealism, or jazz, or emo hardcore. For culture, the hippies, the beatniks, the punks. Guy Debord dissolved the Situationist International, an organization partly responsible for the near-successful French Revolution of 1968, shortly after that uprising. When people began trying to join in order to be associated with such a prestigious radical group, rather than because they thought there was something new that they could contribute to it, he explained that he did so to prevent the SI from becoming a movement in the sense described above. Thus their legacy could retain its charge, to be used like a bomb by future generations. This stands as a good example of how we can protect ourselves by keeping ahead of the accumulating inertia of our own endeavors. With images and movements, it is better to remain fleet of foot to shift unexpectedly, subverting expectations, perhaps flirting playfully with one image or another, as it is impossible to have no image, everything looks like something, but never trusting or committing. And it may be that a good strategy to avoid the stultifying effects of becoming a movement and the dangerous attentions of careerist historicizers, like Real Marcus, is to do our work within supposedly dead movements, like punk rock. By doing so, we emphasize two truths that cannot be emphasized enough, that the life and freedom we seek can pop up anywhere, unexpected, unpredictable, if that's not the case, we really are in trouble, and that there never could be a movement centering around life itself, since it can be found anywhere, but expected nowhere. If history is the chain of events, the casual, deterministic replication of a world in which everything is predictable, or would be, if you had enough information, and the magic of total freedom is impossible, and our revolutionary myths refer to that other, supernatural world, the one that our dreams and desires describe, a world that manifests itself only through transcendent music and similar miracles, phenomena that evoke beauty and meaning without being rationally explicable, then what we are really looking for are loopholes out of history and into that other world. Such loopholes appear every once in a while. The greatest of our myths, for example, is that we can somehow pass their event horizon to escape forever from history into the ahistorical space of total freedom. A movement is a historical force, an attempt to act within the chain of events to shift its direction. Such efforts have succeeded in the past, but such success is not what we want. What we want is something that, by its very nature, has never happened before, to break the chain of events that binds us, to bring history to an end, so that an entirely new world can begin. 
For this to be possible, we'll need the perfect convergence of ahistorical forces. This is not something that can be arranged by any efforts inside the flow of history. It is not something that can be arranged at all, really, but only believed in, as we keep striking matches and tossing them out until one ignites the final fire. Total revolution will not come merely as the result of proper planning and hard work. This isn't wage labor, you know, but out of a leap of faith. Faith in the boundless possibilities of what today appears a sterile and predictable world. Like everything grand or awful in life, it cannot be earned or deserved. Rejecting the assumptions of exchange economy thinking that everything has an exchange value and even revolution can be bought with a certain amount of blood and sweat will help to clarify this. We could work around the clock for the rest of eternity, meticulously constructing and deploying strategy after strategy without coming any closer to real revolution, even if we achieved a few botched counterfeits, like the Russian or Chinese examples. Or, just as possibly, one thoughtlessly defiant creative act at the right moment might be all it takes to start the chain reaction we've dreamed of for so long. Lest this all sound like anarcho-mystical academic nonsense, which it is, of course, freedom cannot be understood except through mysticism. Here's a concrete historical example. The brief adolescent wildness of students, which has traditionally served to appease and squander their libertine impulses and rebellions in preparation for miserable adulthood, has always been a historical force, a tendency easily explained in terms of social conditions, which also serves to maintain them. But at the same time, it has sometimes coexisted with an ahistorical force, those rare sensations of real freedom and weightlessness that youth and student life sometimes create, a phenomenon that can truly be described or explained in terms of history or cause and effect, that sociologists might refer to from afar but never actually comprehend. The Situationist International, which is mentioned above, did not set out to create a movement among rebellious students. Such a thing, even if it had succeeded in altering the details of their alienation, would never have been able to spring them out of the history of academia, youth rebellion, Western civilization, and lifenesses in general in which they were trapped. Indeed, the Situationists were faithful to their own desires for a world grander than anything that could proceed from the historical trends of their time, and set out to discover and empower other his ahistorical forces concealed in the world around them. To accomplish this, they attempted to create tools of theory and analysis which could be used to drill an escape route right out of the long night of capitalist history. It was the fortuitous encounter of the analytical tools they created with the ahistorical fancies of a mere handful of adventurous students at Strasbourg that unleashed the flood of unchecked desire which nearly transformed the whole world. Read all this as a metaphor if you must, or merely as a new way to interpret history, for everything is history to some of you, casualties of a world that no longer admits to anything magical. But that is how real revolution happens. To get it, we don't need the most flawlessly constructed plans, the most fastidiously organized movements, or the most carefully designed systems. Rather, each of us must be faithful to the yearnings of her heart for things too extravagant to ever fit in this world, and to pursue them to such lengths that others are inspired by their own pursuits. It is this alchemy we need, not another movement.